We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Lots to talk about today regarding the Los Angeles Lakers. We've got some comments made by LeBron James where they misinterpreted. We've got a standings update and I've got a lot of fan question and comments to dig into as well. Before I get started on everything, make sure if you're not doing so already, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, turn on notifications, and make sure you're subscribing to the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. We've got the trade deadline coming up in one month. We're going to do everything we can to keep you as up-to-date as possible with everything going on with the Los Angeles Lakers as we look to see whether or not the Lakers make a move Is it the deal that finally pushes them into contention in the Western Conference? Speaking of which, oh boy, if you've had a look at the standings recently, things are getting very, very interesting. Currently, the Lakers, somehow the West is so compact that the Lakers, as of right now, they're one game up on the 13th seed. They're sitting at 11th in the Western Conference at the moment, but they're also one game back of the 6th seed, the Clippers, have now lost six games in a row. So sad. They've lost six games in a row. The Lakers, meanwhile, have won five and now are sitting in 11th in the West. But again, it's so compact that they are one game back of the sixth seed. That's one game back of the playoffs, not the play-in, the playoffs, not needing to even go through the play-in tournament. That's how close the Western Conference is. And here's the thing. You know, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, on a video I put out on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel where I broke down everything going on with the trade front. If you haven't checked that out yet, go check that one out. It's over on, uh, the again, the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. But essentially, part of the problem that the Lakers have in trying to make a deal right now is that every team in the West sees this. And so there's a lot of demand to get something done. You've got a lot of clubs. I mean, the Blazers are looking at it, at it and saying, man, okay, we're the 10 seed right now. Imagine if we can get something done and, and add a little firepower. We can make a run up the Western Conference. I mean, at the top, it's the Denver Nuggets, and and the Lakers are going to see the Nuggets tonight. The Memphis Grizzlies, the Pelicans are the three seed right now. They've lost their last two. That's a good thing for the Lakers. The more the Pelicans lose, perhaps the less valuable that pick swap becomes, as well as the more the Lakers win. That can be a contributing factor, too. But the point is, there's nobody at the top of the West where teams are just saying, oh, man, that's, that's a dominant team. Let's not try to do anything crazy right now, because let's face it, if we wind up in, I don't know, the 2-7 matchup, and we're going up against the Grizzlies. We just have no shot. Look, Memphis is a good team, 
but are teams scared of them? No, there's so much parity in the Western Conference that if you just get yourself into the mix, you've got to feel like you've got a shot. And so it's not just the Lakers in the West that are looking at things saying, hey, there's opportunity here. It's a lot of teams, and that's not even talking about the Eastern Conference yet. So what that means is demand on the trade market is going to be high. Supply is also low because you have so many teams feeling like they're still in the mix. There's not that many teams acting as sellers on the market. So demand is high. Supply is low. That means price. It's going up. And we will certainly talk more about that as we get into the fan questions and comments. But uh, speaking of the trade front, I want to get into LeBron's comments to Sam Amick. So Sam Amick uh, was in Sacramento and was walking and talking with LeBron after the Lakers. Big win. That's right. Five in a row. Big win against Sacramento Kings. Second night of a back-to-back. The Lakers extremely shorthanded. No AD, no Austin Reeves, no Lonnie Walker, no Troy Brown Jr. By the way, Troy Brown listed officially as questionable for tonight's game against the Denver Nuggets. But all those players out uh, and the Lakers still managed to, second night of a back-to-back, get the win uh, against the Sacramento Kings. So great night. But Sam Amick from The Athletic catches up with LeBron and has this back and forth with him. Um, I'm essentially trying to ask LeBron, like, hey, are you getting frustrated that the Lakers haven't made a move yet? And if you read the article, you can see he asks him, like, multiple ways whether or not LeBron is having any say in what's going on and whether LeBron is frustrated. Uh, He asked him at one point, what's your patience or how's your patience level? Is that aspect of this situation tugging at you? And he just said they're doing what they feel is best for the franchise. That's what LeBron says. Uh, Sam Amick again says, how do you feel about that? I'm doing what's best for my guys in the locker room. That's all I can worry about. I'll let you all. And then he kind of, you know, trails off. But then as he walks away, LeBron says, y'all know what the F should be happening. I don't need to talk. And it's that last line that a lot of people jumped on and went, oh my gosh, this is clearly LeBron saying, yeah, the Lakers need to make a move. They need to do something, right? And then LeBron took to Twitter afterwards. And I can kind of see what he's saying because again, Amick did, he was kind of poking and prodding like multiple times trying to get LeBron to say something like, He's frustrated. He wants them to make a move, something controversial. And he finally gets that at the end. Then LeBron takes to Twitter. And this is what LeBron said. So Sam Amick tweets out, LeBron James to the athletic. Y'all know what the F should be happening. More here on his waning patience, how his greatness is forcing this conversation and why he deserves more help. LeBron responds to it on Twitter saying, Actually, my patience isn't waning. You make it sound like I'm frustrated when I'm really not. I told you over and over, my job is focused on the guys in the locker room. My job isn't the roster. That's the reality of that conversation. And I said what I said with the utmost respect and calmness because that's the mood I'm in. You're welcome. Five-game winning streak. Then he does a little winky face emoji and the crown emoji. So what does all of this come down to? I think it's a lot of nothing, really. I don't think anything necessarily changes. Amick was clearly trying to get LeBron to say something that would indicate that he's frustrated. And LeBron's line at the end about, you know, you all know what the F should be happening. I mean, that does sound like he's frustrated and that something should be happening. Something should be getting done. The Lakers should be trading their 2027 and 2029 first-round picks to add talent right now because LeBron is 38 years old and still playing at an MVP level. And Anthony Davis, when healthy, was playing at an MVP level. And we've got guys playing that well. 
you want to give them a shot. Because like I was just saying, when you get into the playoffs, when you get into the playoffs and you look at the Western Conference, is anybody going to be excited if they see a healthy LeBron and a healthy Anthony Davis with some extra firepower, with the Bogdanovich, a Kuzma, whoever, Yaka Pirtle, I don't know, whoever it is, would they be excited to run up against that team? Probably not. Not the way LeBron's playing right now. Again, the Lakers started 2-10 and 10 on the season. And now what are they, 17-11 and 11 since? They're starting to turn some heads. They're starting to win some basketball games. Now, we do have to talk about the Lakers' upcoming schedule. It's not easy. And again, we'll get into that as we start getting into our fan questions and comments. But here's the thing when we look at this situation with, with LeBron. It's that, well, yes, the Lakers could indeed be a scary team if they do something. And yes, LeBron probably wants them to do something. Him saying it publicly benefits no one on the Lakers side. It doesn't benefit LeBron. It doesn't benefit the Lakers front office. The only reason for him to do that would be if he's extremely frustrated and he firmly believes they will not do anything. And so he has to call them out publicly. But I don't think that's the relationship right now between LeBron and the Lakers. See, the only thing that happens if LeBron publicly said, now again, publicly and privately, two different things. Do I believe LeBron wants the Lakers to make a trade? Yes, because it makes all kinds of sense. Again, he's playing at an MVP level. He's talked about wanting to contend for a championship. Um, AD has played at an extremely high level when he's been healthy. And you can argue this team could have a puncher's chance to really make some noise in the West. But you've got to get there. You've got to get right. I mean, there's 12 really solid teams in the Western Conference. Two of them aren't even going to make the play-in. You don't want to be one of those two. So make a move. Do something to add talent so that LeBron and AD don't have to completely burn themselves out just getting there. And then come playoff time, you can be the team nobody wants to see. So it makes sense for LeBron to want the Lakers to make a move. But saying something publicly, the only effect that would have is to lessen the Lakers' leverage on the trade front. And Eric Pinkus was talking about this the other day in his great article for, for Bleacher Report. That teams around the league are still telling the Lakers that the price of getting Russell Westbrook off the roster is a first-round pick. Period. As though this season hasn't happened. As though all of the work that Russ has done this season, coming off the bench, revitalizing his career in that way, he's the favorite to win sixth man of the year. Back in July, teams were telling the Lakers that if you want to trade Russ, the price is a first-round pick. If you want anything else coming back, anything of value coming back, well, then the price goes up. Then it's two first-round picks or whatever, right? Teams are still telling the Lakers that. Still telling the Lakers that. So the Lakers are already in a tough situation in terms of trade leverage. And LeBron knows that. He understands that. And part of it's the market, supply and demand, like I was talking about earlier. Right? So that's that's a factor here too. But LeBron publicly saying something about how he wants the team to make a trade or you all know what the F should be happening does nothing to help the Lakers' chances of getting a deal done. Because if LeBron really wants the Lakers to make a move, if LeBron's frustrated, he can tell Rob Palenka behind the scenes that easily. He can communicate that. No problem. No problem. Easy. He can put all the pressure he wants on the Lakers behind the scenes. Nobody finds out. Trade leverage isn't, isn't dwindled down any further, right? But if LeBron publicly says this stuff, 
Well, then opposing teams, they smell even more blood in the water than they do. The Lakers have already been seen as a desperate team. And that just makes it that much more difficult for the Lakers to get a deal done. So whether or not LeBron is frustrated, if his ultimate goal is for the Lakers to, number one, make a trade, and number two, make a trade where they're not fleeced in terms of value, which should be important to LeBron because they are going to need to make future moves, right? Like if they, if there's a trade where the Lakers can get it done for a first-round pick and a second-round pick, and LeBron makes a stink publicly, and next thing you know, the team you're trading with increases that asking price to two first-round picks because now the Lakers are super desperate and see you guys have to appease LeBron. That doesn't help anybody on the Lakers' side, LeBron included. And LeBron understands that. So again, do I think LeBron wants to get something done? Yeah. Do I think LeBron is trying to say to Sam Amick, hey, something needs to happen here, trying to put that out there publicly? I don't know. I kind of get what LeBron's saying here and walking it back and saying, look, he, he he's asking multiple times kind of the same thing, trying to get LeBron to say something controversial. And then LeBron kind of says what he says right at the end and off you go. Suddenly it becomes um, LeBron has waning patience and, and all this sort of stuff. Fair to assume that he'd like to see something done. But again, putting it out there publicly doesn't help LeBron or the Lakers accomplish the goal of actually getting something done. So one of the subplots to follow, of course, as we get into the trade deadline season, what ultimately is going to happen here? Can the Lakers pull off a move? Uh, it's not an easy environment to do so. And the Lakers being seen as a desperate team doesn't help with that at all. It's already going to be a seller's market. It's already looking like there's not enough teams that are actually selling. And um, I mean, look, even Mark Stein just put out there uh, not long before I started recording this, that, Still around the NBA, the uh, the assumption is that the Lakers want to save their first-round picks for a splashier move. Um, something like a Zach Levine, a Bradley Beal, something like that. I don't even think that should be the case. I don't I, – I, I'm – personally, I don't think the big three model is what you should necessarily be trying to hit your wagon to anymore. And that the Lakers should be looking at perhaps a smaller move with one of the picks if they can, if they can find that for a piece that really fits – and then go from there, and then you build from there. I think that's the preferred build that I would see, particularly if the Lakers are already hesitant to give up both those future first. And frankly, they probably should be. They probably should be hesitant to give up both of those unless they're getting a guy where they say, you know what, this is going to be potentially our 1A or at the very least 1B star for the future. Now, maybe Zach Levine is that. The knees would give me concern. Maybe Bradley Beal is that, but the injury history and the contract give me concern. Zach Levine, contract as well. I don't know that that guy's out there, but that's the only way I'm giving up both of those future first round picks is I need to know I'm getting somebody that's going to be a building block for the next four or five years. I don't know if the players that we've heard so far would necessarily qualify as that, but I do think that you might be able to find somebody that can improve this team, that can pour gasoline on the fire and give this team that much more a shot of a shot of getting into the playoffs with a healthy LeBron and AD and then you let the chips fall where they may. All right, let's get into some fan questions and comments. Now, most of these came in after the Lakers win against the Sacramento Kings. So just be aware that's the context of these. But uh, this comment said, Dennis is playing like he's trying to get that $84 million. It, Look, Dennis is playing for his next contract, right? I mean, part of this is, of course, Dennis just playing hard because that's what he does. He plays hard night in and night out. Now, Dennis has shot extremely well the last few games, particularly from behind the arc. Is that going to continue? No, just like the Lakers' schedule. Look, the Lakers' schedule is difficult. 
Uh, they've won five in a row. Everybody's feeling good. Does that mean they're never going to lose a game the rest of the season? No, no. But you know what? We haven't had a lot to be excited about this season. So this is something, right? It's fair to be excited right now if you're a Lakers fan. Tough matchup tonight against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Den Dennis Schroeder, he's been great. Do you expect him to continue shooting this well forever? No, but we'll take it while we can get it. And Dennis is, is doing a fantastic job and has been a major, major reason why the Lakers have been able to uh, keep their heads above water. I don't understand how Dennis Schroeder is still standing. After that injury against the Hawks where I mean, his ankle touched the floor and, oh, I mean, I would be down and out like for months. I have no idea how he's still playing basketball. Wasn't even on the injury report. Incredible stuff. He he clearly has a Wolverine-style healing factor. Uh, Robert says, play of the game was Thomas Bryant's rebound over Sabonis. Great effort play. How many times can we say that about Thomas Bryant? Just great effort play. He's making great effort plays all over the floor. He's been fantastic. The Lakers aren't having the success they have, have had without AD, without Thomas Bryant to fill in. He's been tremendous. He's been so good that I, I think that there's a very strong argument to be made that when AD comes back, you don't put Thomas Bryant back to the bench, that you start AD and Thomas Bryant, or at the very least, you play them major minutes next to each other. I think they would complement each other very well. And as I've talked about before, it's a tiny sample size. I want to say it's like 29 possessions that they've shared together on the floor. But in that 29 possessions, there are plus 41 per 100 possession, plus 41 points. They're beating opponents by 41 points per 100 possessions. Again, way too small of a sample size to say that's exactly what they are as a duo. But on paper, they make a lot of sense as a duo out there on the floor. So I want to see more of that. Thomas Bryant's been great. He's going to make himself some money this summer. King Carroll, Wenyon fouls out and Jones still can't get minutes. Yeah, it's, it's rough for Damian Jones right now, right? I mean... The Lakers, you're missing AD, you lose Wenyan Gabriel, and the immediate response of the coaching staff isn't, okay, Damian Jones, you're the next big up, let's go. It's, well, LeBron's got to play center then. Like, Damian Jones just can't get into the games. And I think at some point, he's going to get another opportunity to prove himself. Look, Kendrick Nunn continues to get opportunities to prove himself. At some point, Damian Jones is going to get into the mix. But so far, it's been, been rough. Uh, his hands haven't been great in terms of catching the ball and finishing and um, disappointing, certainly, particularly because he's got that second-year player option. We're going to talk about that in just a bit. And <laughs> not just a bit. Right now, didn't realize this question was next. Skytier said, release Damian, sign Cousins, and Mello. So in theory, if the Lakers wanted to do that, they could. They have an open roster spot, or they will have an open roster spot um, when you get Sterling Brown's 10-day contract expiring. When that happens, you'll have an open roster spot. And... Then if the Lakers want, they could release Damian Jones. That would free up two roster spots. You could sign DeMarcus Cousins, who's rumored to be working out for the Lakers soon, and Carmelo Anthony, if Melo wants to play for the Lakers. You could do that. But releasing Damian Jones, that part is tricky because of that player option. Releasing him would put that second year, even though it's just a, a better minimum deal, so it's not like it's a lot of money, but it would just automatically put it on your books. Um, it's as though he picked it up and you have to pay him to not play basketball for you. I think most likely if the Lakers decide we need to clear Damian Jones, they'll just give a team a second rounder or something like that to take him into cap space. I mean, you look at the Indiana Pacers, San Antonio Spurs, both of these teams are below the salary floor. Yeah, they, they don't even have enough salaries on their books right now to reach the minimum for the NBA. Now, it's not the worst thing in the world. All that happens if you don't hit the salary floor by the end of the year is that the money that you that you are below by 
gets divided up and given to the players that are on your roster. So say you have, uh, say you have a 15-man roster and you're 15 million below the salary cap floor. Well, at the end of the season, each player would then get a million dollars extra added in because you have to reach that salary floor. Um, so it's not a big deal if they're below the floor, but the bottom line is they can, they can and they will. They're going to be absorbing contracts. Would probably be easier for the Lakers just to offer something to a team to take on Damian Jones into cap space rather than um, wave him because then you've got that money sitting on your books, dead money. Oh, flashbacks of Lou Aldang. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. It's so, and this is a total aside here, but even now with the salary cap continuing to go up, players making more than ever, the Luol Deng and Timofey Mozgov contracts still look awful. Still, even by today's standard, like if somebody signed a Luol Deng level player for four years, 72 million, whatever it was, we'd be talking about how that's a bad deal. And same thing with Timofey Mozgov. Un unbelievable that all those years ago, the Lakers signed those guys to those contracts that at the time looked terrible, but it's amazing that it's had this, they've had staying power, that even if those were signed now with the salary cap way up, they'd still look terrible. My goodness, those were awful. Anyway, sorry, that's a complete tangent. Uh, Pat Bev, and a second, this comment says, for Josh Richardson, the Spurs are rumored to be wanting a first for Richardson, move AD to the four, sign Boogie, starting lineup gets more size. Dennis, uh, Josh Richardson, LeBron, AD, Thomas Bryant. Yeah, if it's me, I don't mind it. I don't mind that. But I think the Spurs would want more for Richardson. I think Pat is doing enough right now in terms of just being a 3 and D guy that I don't know that you have to go trade him for a Josh Richardson, although Richardson's size at 6'5 would certainly be useful. But my thought is, why don't you just plug Austin Reeves in there? to the two if your goal is to get more size you can do that right now and not have to give away a second round pick now again josh richardson has merit but if i'm going to go get richardson from the spurs i probably want to get some other stuff in a deal too to really make a, a big impact there because like i said i think you can get a similar result to this with guys that are on the roster right now uh kerwin great win tonight the lakers can also improve via the buyout market yes but they got to keep winning games the buyout market, which is usually what heats up after the trade deadline, okay? Teams aren't going to buy out players now because why buy out a player if there's any chance that player's salary could be useful to you at the trade deadline? So it's only after the trade deadline when no more trades are going to be completed that the buyout market starts to heat up. Teams that are uh, clearly not contending, clearly not going to be making a push to win, they will buy out veterans with one year left on their contract. That's a whole other topic we'll get into later about which players could be bought out and those players become free agents. Buyout players tend to not make a huge difference. Probably the one of the best buyout players of all time was Markeith Morris with the Lakers in 2020, where he actually started for them for a bit uh, in the playoffs, particularly against the Houston Rockets was instrumental there. But like the Lakers got Andre Drummond the next year and he was just, he was okay, um, but didn't, you know, push the Lakers to where they wanted to go. So the buyout market doesn't always yield great results, but in order to get those players, you've got to win. You've got to have a shot because buyout market guys are really looking for two things, right? 
They're not worried about location or anything like that. They're looking for someplace to spend half of a year of basketball. So they're looking for two things. They're looking for opportunity for minutes because these are guys that need to prove themselves and show that they need, that they're going to get a next contract and, and a lot of money will be on the line on that next deal. Uh, but then they are also looking for an opportunity to win. Again, they're only going to be someplace for less than half of a season, really. So might as well look for those two things. Number one is opportunity. Where can I play? Where can I show off? Where can I, I show that I should get another contract next summer? That's going to be of the utmost importance to players. And from there, it's also going to be where can I win? Because if I can win, I can get playoff experience. I can show myself out there. And I can have an opportunity to, you know, win a championship, which is which is nice. So that's what teams are going to, what players are going to be looking for. So for the Lakers, it's a matter of continuing to win basketball games. Teams that are like sitting in the 11th seed or something aren't going to get nearly as much uh, attention from buyout players as a, a team that's in the three seed or something like that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Super dope hip-hop. LeBron, November 12th to January 8th. 31, 8, 7, and 11 on 62% true shooting, plus 117. Fire year 20. He's been absolutely incredible. Again, it's so easy game to game to just watch LeBron and almost become kind of jaded, like not really acknowledge how incredible what we're seeing, how abnormal what we're seeing really is. Um, it's amazing what LeBron is doing at his age right now. And I just hope he can keep it up that uh, the injuries stay away because he has been unbelievable unbelievable the stuff we're seeing out of LeBron again 37 points against the Sacramento Kings and he's 38 years old incredible stuff in fact he's on pace to pass Kareem in about a month imagine that imagine that because you know what else is coming up in a month the NBA trade deadline like that first week of February whew, we're gonna have so much to talk about LeBron maybe passing Kareem plus the trade deadline coming up it's gonna be a busy time in Lakerland it it, it could be shaping up that way Vilius said, the sad part is that we will lose Bryant, uh, Lonnie, Schroeder, and even Reeves in the summer. It's sad that the front office can't build our roster for the future. Well, bird rights, I think the Lakers have done a poor job of using bird rights to retain players or understanding the importance of bird rights. Instead, just continually churning the roster over and signing, um, signing one-year players. I, I think it's been a mistake. I think the bird rights are how you build a consistent and deep team around two star players that are taking up max salaries. In this case for the Lakers, you have three guys taking up max salaries. So 
you've got to be able to to retain talent. And when you have all of your cap space taken up by three players, it's really hard to retain that talent. Again, we saw that happen last year with Malik Monk. Now this year, the Lakers will have some cap space as of right now. Maybe they make a trade and that takes away some of their cap space. But right now they're going to have about 30 or so million. But you're right. Look, if you were to say, okay, we're going to have 30 million, but we got to pay Thomas Bryant, who's been incredible. We got to pay Lonnie Walker, who's been pretty good himself. We got to play Schroeder, who's been good, and Reeves. There goes your 30. Would 30 million even be enough just to keep those guys? And then it's LeBron, AD, Bryant, Lonnie Walker, Schroeder, Reeves. And then the rest of your team's veteran minimums. That's and that's where you're at. That's that's part of the problem with just keeping cap space. Is are you really going to be able to build out a full competitive? I'm talking about contending level team. With LeBron, with a roster of LeBron, Max Christie, AD, and thirty million in cap space to spend, can you get enough talent on your roster with thirty million to spend? And you've got these guys who have played well this year. Now with Reeves, at least there's some protections in place to keep him. Um, you'll have early bird rights on him, so that's something. Um, you're also protected by the arenas provision in case he gets a massive offer. But still, reality is, yeah, I mean. I think you can keep at least a few of these guys, but keeping all of them will be will be tough. And maybe that informs some decisions at the trade deadline. Maybe you say, you know what? Lonnie's played great, but we're probably not going to be able to keep him because we're going to have to give money to these players instead. So you're more willing to put Lonnie into a trade. However, it also serves to devalue these players. For example, people talk about how good Thomas Bryant is. I've seen this conversation going on. Um, Lakers fans have said, well, Thomas Bryant's playing great but doesn't that mean somebody should be willing to give up a lot for him now, right? So what if you threw Thomas Bryant into a deal with the Indiana Pacers and you go get him, you go get, you go get Miles Turner? What if you do that? Well, sure. But the problem is that doesn't really help the Pacers any, right? The Pacers, they can offer Thomas Bryant a big contract this summer. You don't get any bird rights because he's a one-year player. So, even if, even if it's an above-the-cap team, let's say it's, I don't know, let's say it's the Milwaukee Bucks who trade Thomas Bryant to. It doesn't help Milwaukee retain him because bird rights don't come with him. They're already over the cap. So unless they decide they want to give him the full mid-level exception, but they can do that anyway in the summer. So because bird rights aren't a factor here with Thomas Bryant, it actually lowers his value around the NBA. Now, if you had bird rights on him, yeah, Teams would be pretty interested in trading for him. And then they'd be able to offer him whatever they wanted and go over the cap to keep him. But you don't. And the same thing would hold true with Lonnie Walker. And that will serve to devalue some of these guys who have had good seasons because other teams will face the same problem the Lakers have had. That, yeah, they're great, but they're going to get paid by somebody. And it's probably going to be more than what the incumbent team can offer. That's going to be the challenge. Uh, Jay Soft. Said, release Damien if possible. I talked about that already. Bring up Huff. I wouldn't mind seeing Jay Huff get a shot. He's interesting. Could shoot the three. Can protect the rim. I wouldn't mind giving him a look. Uh, find someone to take Beverly's bad defensive minutes. I actually think Beverly's been pretty good defensively. He had one big error against De'Aaron Fox um, in th that game. But overall, I think Patrick Beverly in the month of December, and beginning of January, has pretty much been the guy that we hoped he would be in terms of playing pretty good defense. And knocking in a three every now and then and shooting it at a fairly high clip. I don't, there's not a lot I can complain about with Patrick Beverly 
in the month of December and January. November was a different story. He was bad, but he's morphed back into the guy we thought he would be. But anyway, Lakers are easy to defend when he is out there. Plus his man always doubles Patrick Beverly's. Yeah. But if he keeps knocking down the three at a high clip, that will stop, right? If Pat continues to knock down the three, Teams will stop doubling off of him so aggressively. For a while, their teams were completely ignoring him and just leaving him out there. But now he started to knock down those shots, and that changes the way teams defend him. Roger Dodger said, A post from Bleacher Report said that De'Aaron Fox's late foul on Schroeder was controversial. LOL. Obviously a Kings fan that's upset that they won't light the beam tonight. LOL. Great team win. I saw that. Uh, De'Aaron Fox also had some comments that I know some questions are coming about. Um, was it a soft foul or whatever like if if the lakers had committed that foul so to paint the picture so dennis Schroeder's driving to his right it's late in the game seconds left and it's tie game Schroeder drives goes to put up the shot and De'Aaron fox sticks his hip out and bumps Schroeder as he's going up to shoot and and, and creates contact and again key here Schroeder didn't create the contact De'Aaron fox created the contact whistle blows it's a foul We've seen harder fouls than that. It's not like Fox slapped him across the arms. At the same time, he did foul him. He knocked Schroeder off of his trajectory, and it was enough to bother him. It was a foul. Um, it, it controversial in that, do we see that gotten away? See players get away with that sometimes? Yeah, sure, that that happens. But it also wasn't an incorrect call. And look, I'm as biased as can be. I'm wearing purple and gold lenses. There's no question there. I'm sure if you asked a Kings fan, they'd say, no way, that's a soft foul, on and on and on. But when I look at it, when I see the play, it's hard for me to think. I'd be frustrated if it was called against the Lakers because I'd say, well, it's a little bit soft, but it's a foul. By the letter of the law, it's a foul. I mean, just like, hey, Russ's play should have been an and one. They should have called the first foul on Russ's play where he got into the paint, finished the basket, got fouled on the way up and they said, no, 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 foul was on the ground and it's free throws. They missed the foul up top behind the three point line when Russ was starting to drive. Um, so either one, I mean, that should have been called and that should have just been Russ free throws, but that didn't get called. Russ goes up, gets fouled and it gets called on the ground. I thought that was a, was a bad decision as well. So if you want to point to that, you can, I mean, look, I didn't think it was a very well officiated game, but I'd, I know I would be seeing it differently if I was a Kings fan, but again, I I can't look at that finish and say, well, the wrong team won because of the officials. If anything, I thought the Lakers drew the short straw in terms of the officiating. Debbie and Richard said, hey, Trev, all the way from Auckland, New Zealand. Oh, welcome in. Always great to get, uh, get notes here from our international viewers. Would you trade Nunn and Jones with a first for Jalen McDaniels and P.J. Washington? Um, I don't know if that's enough money going out, but yes, I, I think that would be a worthwhile deal to do. I like that. I like targeting younger players. Um, yeah, I, I would not be opposed to that if you make the math work on that. Alex Lewis, any chance for an OG and an OB trade? Sure, but that's a guy where you're probably going to have to go in with both first. And even then another team might beat your offer. And it sounds like the Lakers, if from what Stein reported, if the Lakers are really looking to give up both first. They want the big splash. I don't agree with that. I think OG would be a great fit. Uh, if you can get him, fantastic. But a lot, just like Bogdanovich is going to have, the, the teams after him is in the double digits. Same will hold true of OG and Anobi if the Raptors decide they're going to move him. So very tough to do. 
David said the Lakers front office should not be off the hook, though. The players stepped up the last five games. The chemistry is great, too. Good leadership from LeBron. Yeah, so in the video from yesterday where I broke down all the challenges the Lakers have, and essentially it was three things. It was the Russell Westbrook situation where teams are not giving Russ any credit for playing the way that he has this season. They're continuing to tell the Lakers, no, 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 we demand a first-round pick just for you giving us Russell Westbrook, which I don't think is is fair of them in terms of, of value and, and also dissuades the Lakers from even trading him because I don't think they see him as a player that they should part with an asset just to get rid of him, just to get him off the roster. And that's the way teams are continuing to treat him. Um, on top of that, the supply and demand situation and the summer cap space situation where a lot of teams aren't valuing cap space for this summer because there's not a lot of free agents out there that teams are thinking, man, we really need to save some money to go get this player, to go get player A, B, or C. Those guys aren't really out there either. All those things are negatives for the Lakers' ability to make a move. One of the things the Lakers can offer teams is absorbing future salary to clear up space for them so they could potentially go pursue free agents. But the value of that cap space goes down if there's not great players to spend it on. So that's a challenge for the Lakers as well. But all of that is in no way an excuse for the Lakers' front office not, get, not getting something done. It's just an acknowledgement that it's not an easy environment to make a trade. That said, it's still on the front office to get results. One of my favorite phrases that I heard from uh, my a Marine buddy of mine is adapt and overcome. Adapt and overcome. Obstacles get into your way. Adapt and overcome. You get the job done. And that's the way the Lakers front office are going to have to look at this. The environment is not an easy one for making a deal right now in the NBA. It's not. If you're a seller, this is an ideal environment for you because it is a seller's market. But, and there's going to be a lot of teams trying to make a move, but you're the Lakers, adapt and overcome. This in no way takes any pressure off the front office. You still have to figure out a way to get the job done. KZM. So the Lakers are three wins from the fifth spot. Uh, yeah, it's even closer now. Uh, does this put Rob under pressure? LeBron can't be happy. No moves are being made. I think the Lakers in general are under more pressure when the team's losing because then the panic becomes, oh my gosh, somebody saved this team. Whereas now they're winning games. They're showing that they can get the job done. Again, I'm not expecting them to you know, go undefeated for the rest of the way or anything. They have a tough schedule ahead. I know there's going to be some bumps in the road coming, but I think that there's less pressure right now than there is if they're losing games. If they're losing games, there's more pressure to fix things because right now fans are happy. And so you're not hearing a lot of that, that pressure to do something. Whereas if fans are unhappy, oh boy, you hear a lot of what are the Lakers going to do? This is a disaster, a lot of blame, a lot of finger pointing, all of that. There's still that sense that the Lakers need to do something, but it's not as venomous as it is if they're losing. That's for sure. Controversial man said trade Bev for Burks. None for Cam Reddish, get rid of Jones, get Boogie, and Gary Clark, keep Sterling. That's all we need. Uh, how will Dennis Schroeder fit when the guys return? Uh, so those are all fine moves, and you may be able to do those moves for sending second-round picks. I think you can question what's more valuable to have, Patrick Beverly or, or Burks, Alec Burks. Uh, and Burks being the shooter may tip the scales in his favor there. If you told me I can get Kendrick Nunn, I can flip Kendrick Nunn for Cam Reddish, 
uh, and I can maybe toss in a second or something. I would do that if I'm the Lakers. I'm uh, not saying none has no, he had the big game the other day, but if I could do that, yeah, because you need the help on the wing, you'd give it a shot. Um, Boogie, Boogie Cousins, worth a look, worth a look, no question, worth a look, but I don't know. I'm prioritizing the wing personally. I think you need more wing players. Like, I don't think getting Cam Reddish just checks the box and you say, cool, we're good on the wing now that we got Cam Reddish. I think, though, if you're able to get Thomas Bryant to continue in the starting lineup and play alongside AD, in some ways that helps address your wing concerns because it pushes Anthony Davis to the four and then LeBron to the three, which then eats up some of your wing minutes. So even though you're not adding a traditional wing in that sense, it still helps. And then Cam Reddish, if he plays well, great, you can rely on him. But I don't, we don't have that certainty that he's going to do that, right? Like if you go get Bogdanovich, you have a lot of certainty with what he's going to do. Now, maybe he really only shoots instead of 41% or whatever, maybe he shoots 38% from three or something. But you know basically what you're going to get out of him. Cam Reddish, you can't say for sure you know what you're going to get. And so that's the challenge. I don't know if, you, if you're the Lakers, you can just go get Cam Reddish and say, oh, there we go, wing problem solved, check the box, and let's move on. I don't feel that way about, about Cam, though I do think he's the kind of player that you might want to take a gamble on. Uh, as far as how will Schroeder fit, I think Schroeder can fit just fine. I like the more aggressive version we've seen of Schroeder, and a lot of that has been, you know, he's been making shots, and that may not continue, certainly not at this clip. It's unsustainable, but... Uh, I think he can continue to stay aggressive when AD comes back, when all these other other players come back. He's not going to have the same shot volume, but if he has the same mindset of aggressiveness, I think it actually helps the team overall. It's going to help create looks for everybody if he, if he stays aggressive. Super Dope Hip Hop said, great win, but Sean's saying the Nuggets are more likely, not reality, especially when AD, without AD, and that doesn't take into account the Nuggets adding Brown, KCP, and Gordon. So, our own Sean Davis spaces uh, was saying that the between the Kings game and the Nuggets game, the more likely win was the Nuggets game. Look, the Lakers have played the Nuggets well. And the last time the Lakers played the Nuggets, they won, right? AD got hurt at halftime. Thomas Bryant came in in the second half, blitzed the Nuggets, and the Lakers wound up getting the win. It was a, one of the best wins of the season, one of the better wins of the season. Anyway, that said, I think the Nuggets are a good team. I don't think tonight's game is going to be an easy one at all. And Thomas Bryant as the primary defender all game on Jokic is going to be a challenge. I mean, Thomas Bryant is not – if his weakness is on the de defensive side, particularly protecting the rim, it, he's going to have to stay out of foul trouble. But Denver's a really good team. They're in first place for a reason. It's not an easy one. And I, I agree with the comment here. I, I think that between the two, even though the Lakers have played the Nuggets well, it seemed like the Kings, the Kings are not the same quality of team as Denver. And that came – that was obviously apparent. Uh, Sumanth said, will LeBron be able to play at this level in April and May? He's playing 36 minutes a game and he's 38. Um, could he? Potentially, if he stays healthy, should he is really the question. The answer is no. The answer is, look, having LeBron play this many minutes is not ideal. Darvin Ham had the quote early on in the season about how he didn't want LeBron and AD playing, what, 36 minutes a night? Something I'm paraphrasing. Something like that in like November and December. And that's exactly what happened. They had to play that many minutes in order to win games because they kept slipping down in the standings. And every time LeBron comes off the floor right now, poof, there goes the lead. We saw it against the Kings. The Lakers were up nine or so. LeBron gets subbed out for a minute and a half. He comes back and the lead's two. 
It's what's been happening. This is nothing new. It's been happening the entire time the Lakers have had LeBron. So this is another reason why I don't think if you're the Lakers front office, you can just say, okay, we're good. Let's not make a trade. I think you need some more firepower so that you don't have to rely on LeBron night in and night out to do everything so that maybe you're closer to a team that can at the very least tread water when LeBron James isn't on the floor and AD as well. You need someone else to do some of the heavy lifting and credit to Russell Westbrook. He's done much better. I thought he had a great game against the Sacramento Kings. He's helped in that regard, but you still could use more to take some of that burden off of LeBron if you want him to be healthy come playoff time. Jarrell said three-team trade. Lakers get OG, Otto Porter, Gary Trent. The Knicks get Pascal Siakam. Raptors get Russ, Quickly, Ovi, Fournier, Reddish, and five firsts. Two from the Lakers, three from the Knicks if the Raptors blow it up. So Lakers side, both firsts and Russ, and you're getting OG, Otto Porter, and Gary Trent. thats I'll be honest, that's too good for the Lakers. Um, I'll do that in a second. Pascal Siakam going to the Knicks, and the Knicks are giving up quickly. Obi Toppin, Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish, and three first-round picks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's that's a lot. I, now, Fournier has negative value, but still, that's... I, I think that in the Raptors, honestly, the Raptors getting five first sounds like a lot, but OG... Trent and Siakam going out. That's not enough for the Raptors to trade away those guys. It's a great deal for the Lakers if it could happen. But uh, yeah, super dope hip hop. So Thomas Bryant has been great. Hoo hoo Hoosiers. Yeah, he's been, been fantastic. Been a joy to watch him. And the way he flies up and down the floor. So fun. So fun. One of the fastest bigs in the league. Oh, here we go. Did I see the De'Aaron Fox tweet after the game? So yeah. After the Lakers beat the Kings, De'Aaron Fox took to Twitter and said something to the effect of, I thought the players were supposed to decide the games. Um, Insinuating that the referee is calling the foul on him and giving two free throws to Dennis Schroeder at the end of the game was them deciding the game. Uh, De'Aaron, I I understand you're frustrated, but it was a foul. Like, it it was a foul. There's no, it wasn't even like a cheap, I don't know, Trey Young jumping back into the defender type of foul where the referees don't give it to him. It wasn't anything like that. Fox created the contact. It's not like Schroeder hurled himself into De'Aaron Fox. No, it was De'Aaron Fox who stepped forward and used his hip to create contact with Dennis Schroeder. It's a foul. It just is. And it's again, it's not even one of those frustrating ones where the guard just hurls themselves into the defender, which we see too often still. It's not as bad as it used to be, but we still see it happen a lot. Um, it was a foul and that's supposed to be called. Like, I don't know what else to tell him. That's, that's the way it is. Why Newman, how good do the Lakers and current players need to play for you to be like, F it. We are good enough to keep all your assets and players. They would have to be winning games by double digits. They'd have to be dominating teams for me to get to that point. It would be different if you looked at this team and on paper, you went, man, 
this is this is a complete roster. They've got they've got no major holes on the team. Um, they've got shooting. They've got defense. They've had some bad luck in the early going, and that's been the culprit. That's why they're not you know in the top tier right now. But we believe they're going to get there. That's a different scenario than where the Lakers are at right now. On paper, you look at this team and you say, okay, this roster is imbalanced. There's too many guards. There's not enough wings. Um, you've got problems with with all of that. And so that's not the situation we're in. If the team we're looking at right now, you're saying, man, they're getting wins in spite of the roster imbalance. They're getting wins in spite of all of these injuries. They need to do something to change this. So the only way that I would look at it and just say, well, never mind, just keep things as is. You don't need to do anything. Is if this team was truly like dominating, you know, you're winning a number of games by double digits, you're beating some of the best teams in the league, and you're healthy. That's what it would take to say, no, you don't really need to do anything. On paper, this team clearly needs to do something. You can see it when they play, and it's a credit to the guys that are on the team now that they're finding a way to win despite that. But come playoff time, that's not going to be enough. That's not going to be enough. Those, those issues that you've got will become bigger problems come playoff time. Ryan Mitchell, Beverly to China, Swider gets minutes over Brown. Look, Swider, Cole Swider came into the game um, two games ago against the Hawks and did hit a three, took and hit his first regular season NBA three. It was great to see. Welcome back, Cole Swider. Have been dealing with some injuries. Patrick Beverly to China. Like, it's like we still think it's November with Pat Bev. Back in November, Pat was playing terribly, and I get it, uh, with people being frustrated with him back then. The month of November was very kind, or December was very kind to Patrick Beverly. He's very good. He's starting to knock down threes. He's starting to turn things around. So the question then just becomes, who's the real Patrick Beverly? This guy that's a, what, 36 37% three-point shooter for his career, is he really the... 27% three-point shooter that we saw in November? Is he really the 19% three-point shooter that we saw in October? Do we buy that, that his three-point percentage has simply completely fallen off a cliff? Or do we buy that he's closer to the 41% three-point shooter that he is both for the month of December and the month of January? In January so far, he's shooting 41% from deep, 42% actually when you round up. So is he really a 42% three-point shooter? Probably not because that's so far above his career average. But it's also fair to say that 27%, 19%, that's so far below his average that I'm not buying that that's what he is. If he was a career 30% three-point shooter and he's playing terrible and he's shooting 27% from three this season, okay, then I can see continuing to criticize him. But I think we've seen just the numbers start to come back around and Pat finding his shooting stroke. So he's been playing well lately. I'm, it's to the point where if he continues playing like this, even if his percentage dips to his career average of 37% or so, you are actually losing something by trading him. And that wouldn't have been the case in November. November, there were moments where you thought, man, this guy's not playable. But Darvin Ham stuck with him and he's reaping those rewards now. And I don't think what we're seeing out of Patrick Beverly is unsustainable, aside from maybe being a touch high on his three-point percentage. That's about it. Otherwise, I think Pat can continue to do the things that he's doing right now. And if that's the case, he's very much an NBA player. He's not an out-of-the-league kind of guy. 
Brian said, if you had to choose between Kuzma and Boyan Bogdanovich to trade for, which wing would you trade for and why? Uh, so if it was the same price to get either guy, I'm going to go Kyle Kuzma. Boyan Bogdanovich, frankly, is the better fit. But my concern is if I'm giving up unprotected draft picks, I want the guy who can be on this team in five years, and that's Kyle Kuzma. I also think his size would be a benefit to the Lakers, his switchability defensively. Um, that said, there's some challenges in terms of convincing Kuz of his role with this team that you probably don't have with Bogdanovich. Again, I think Bogdanovich is the cleaner fit. He's the easier fit. His skill set is exactly what the team needs in terms of being a sharpshooter. So it's very close. But again, Bogdanovich is 33, playing the best basketball of his career. Kuzma is what, I believe, 27. Still has room to improve there. Give me the guy that's got room to improve that still is a pretty darn good fit for what the Lakers need right now. So I would lean towards Kyle Kuzma. But if I was hearing, hey, Kuzma may not want to stay in L.A. or Kuzma you know, is really concerned about his role and doesn't want to be behind LeBron and AD or something like that, pivoting to Bojan was not would not be a terrible option either. He could be very good for this team. Uh, Mark, can we now re-sign Bryant, Reeves, and Walker to keep rights? Uh, you can in the summer. Couldn't re-sign them right now, but you can in the summer, uh, depending on what you're willing to spend out of your um, your cap space in order to to keep them. Miles Dan says Miles Turner makes the most sense for this team. I mean, look, Miles Turner may be back on the market. Uh, Mark Stein reported on this just a bit ago, saying that the sense is that Turner and the Pacers just haven't come to terms on a number yet for his extension. It's not that he doesn't want to be in Indiana or anything like that. So I still think an extension ultimately gets done with Turner. But if it doesn't, I think if it doesn't get done before the trade deadline, the Pacers need to look to move him because they can't afford to lose him for nothing in the summer. If he does get back out of the market, it's fair to target him. I mean, look, I've had I've seen this discussion going around on Twitter. People saying if if the Lakers called the Pacers and the Pacers said, you know what? We'll do the same deal from the summer. Two firsts and Russ, and we'll do Heald and Turner. Should you do it? I think you'd do it. I think you'd do it because I think Turner is really good. A three-headed monster in the middle of Turner, Brian, and AD could be incredible. Buddy Heald gives you the three-point shooting you need. Doesn't necessarily solve the wing problem, but again, it does kind of by sliding LeBron more to, to the three more often, which does kind of help with your wing problem as well. The challenge, though, is you're losing Russell Westbrook's playmaking. So you'd almost need to follow it up with another move to go find a guard who can be a playmaker for you because I think that's been a real thing that Russ has brought that is something we don't want to overlook. Over the summer, we were looking at the Russell Westbrook from the previous season who was overall just kind of a negative and saying, okay, if you can get something valuable for him, great. Now, though, Russ has done such a good job distributing the basketball. His passing, his playmaking has been so important for this team that you're losing something real there that the team would miss if you got Turner and healed. I don't think it's to where you just don't do the trade, but you need to have something else lined up in order to, to some degree, replace that. Kronos, Beverly Nunn, 27 unprotected, 29 top, 8 protected for Kuzma, Denny Avdia, and Daniel Gafford. That's interesting. I don't know if I would do all of that. I like Kuzma, obviously. Avdia and Gafford, sure. I don't know that the Wizards would do that either because they've got a couple of young players in Gafford and Avdia. I don't have their contracts in front of me, but it's close. I think, though, the Lakers, if they're going to give up both first, they really want the home run move. 
and I'm not saying they necessarily should, but it's the more we hear about this, the more it sounds like the Lakers want a star if they're going to give up both first. And I think that's the way they're going to operate here, getting closer to the trade deadline. Kyle Hampton, is there a chance LeBron complaining about not getting calls is the reason he's not getting calls? Um, it could be a factor. It could be a factor, but I, I really think LeBron is just very difficult to referee and refs miss a lot and it's frustrating and it's unfortunate. Um, Daniel Starkand, our, our managing editor, put out there that LeBron's 24th in free throw attempts despite driving to the basket as often as he does. It's rough watching LeBron get fouled over and over again, night after night after night, um, and not get respect from the officials. Uh, Bet said, why do fans act like 3 and D wings are easy to get? Yeah, I mean, they're not. <laughs> they're very much not. They're in very high demand. Everybody's looking for 3 and D wings. Even teams that already have them are looking for them because you, you can't have too many. Um, 3 and D wings are extremely important. Part of the reason, though, is y- there's not a lot of 3 and D wings that are dropping 25 points a night, right? And so it's easy for most fans to underestimate their value, how important having those guys is. Because you see the guys that score 25 a night and you go, okay, that's a valuable player, right? But a guy who puts up 13 a night but plays great wing de- defense and is super switchy doesn't jump off the screen in the same way, doesn't get in the highlight reels the same way, even though they can be just as important as a 25-point-per-game score. And so that's part of why. I think fans just assume, oh, yeah, I just need a, a dude who's six eight who can defend multiple positions and shoot threes. No problem. We can go get that guy. That's not going to cost much, right? No, actually, teams understand how important that skill set is in today's NBA, and they are very tough to get. Mike E., the way the Lakers have drafted, are you optimistic they can build depth using three picks this next draft? They have a first and two seconds, right? Um, I believe they do. Let me double check um, in terms of the Lakers, the number of second rounders. They do have a first this year, obviously. They've got their first or the Pelicans first. It's looking more likely like it will be the Pelicans first. Hopefully the Pelicans lose games, the Lakers win games, and that pick swap doesn't become too much of a thing for them. But incoming, so the Lakers have uh, 2023. They have a second round pick coming in from Chicago, and they'll have their own second round pick as well. So yes, the Lakers will have two second rounders plus a first rounder this year. Uh, yeah, they can. I, I am. How optimistic am I? I'm as optimistic as I would be for any team. Like any team at all. Like I would trust the Lakers scouting department against any team in the NBA. That's I think that's how good they've been. They've found they've consistently found players late in the draft, late in the first, into the second round, even undrafted. They have found talent. If I'm the Lakers and I don't wind up moving those second rounders, if I don't wind up uh, moving that first round pick on draft night, I'm handing it over to the scouting department and I'm saying, we trust you because. Time after time after time after time, they have found players. They have found rotation-level players, if not better, in the draft. So I I am optimistic that you can build some depth in the draft if you don't wind up trading those picks. Ricky, playing both AD and Thomas Bryant will put less strain, effort, and taxi on AD's body, even cut down on AD's minutes, too, for the rest of the remaining season and the playoffs. Agreed. That's a good part of the argument for why I want to see those guys playing side-by-side, why I don't think Thomas Bryant necessarily should see his minutes cut uh, when AD comes back, because I think he's proven to be so valuable. You need him out there on the floor, and I think he can benefit AD. They do fit well together on paper. I really want to see more of that duo. 
Ryan Peters, the market really could be enough that the Pacers for Bryant and Westbrook seems fair with like a second. Again, Bryant doesn't carry as much value as you think because he's not locked up on a long-term deal. Now, if the Lakers had Tom had Thomas Bryant on a four-year, $20 million deal, it's paying him $5 million per season. Yeah, he's got a lot of value. And then that's probably what we're talking about with the Pacers. That could be a realistic trade. But he's not. He's on a veteran minimum deal, a one-year deal, which means the Pacers or whoever traded for him has no extra benefit towards keeping him and aside from you know maybe showing him a good time in Pawnee and you know getting him in their system and getting him to buy in that way and then he's got the Indiana history from college but there's not a, a whole lot of value there because you don't have a long-term deal whoever's trading for him also risks losing him in the summer for nothing and so that's why there's not going to be a ton of value there uh, with Thomas Bryant AVB, what's the last sports moment as big as LeBron passing Kareem? I don't know. Um, I'd have to really think about that, but that's going to be a big moment. It's going to be a massive moment. I mean, that's a record that we didn't think would ever fall, and yet here we are. Um, again, we're about a month away. It, it, LeBron's on pace to, to do it in about a month. Again, knock on wood, hopefully it stays healthy and all that. But big, big moment. It's going to be a massive moment in sports. I think about some of the home run records in baseball, maybe something like that. But yeah, a huge moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Mustafa said, I'm happy for DeMarcus coming back. Well, he's, he's getting a workout. He's not officially coming back. Mark my words, he's a steal. Also, I love how the Suns are being humbled right now. Well, they're dealing with some injuries, and the Suns have certainly lost a number of games. In fact, um, the Suns, they lost, I believe they lost again. Yes, they lost again last night to the Cavs, and the Suns have fallen all the way to the eighth seed. In fact, they are tied. Eight, nine, and ten are all tied at seven games back. The Lakers are seven and a half games back. The Suns just half a game up on the Lakers currently. Um, he said, I think the Lakers do not need a trade. I disagree. I think they still need a trade. Obviously, they're playing better than um, they were, say, last month. But I think they still do need a trade to balance out this roster and give them a little bit more um, firepower heading into the, the home stretch and the playoffs and all that. Frank says trade, oh, trade Lonnie and a pick for Bojan. That's not enough money going out. Now, if the Pistons were more interested in Lonnie than Kendrick Nunn, you could do Lonnie and Patrick Beverly for uh, Bojan. Maybe there's some value that uh, in that way for Detroit. But, uh, but Lonnie by himself and a pick is not getting Bojan. There's not enough money going out there. And, and again, same situation with Lonnie as it is with, uh, with Thomas Bryant. It, like if Lonnie was locked up on a long-term deal, sure, there'd be some value there, but he's not. Um, and again, there's no bird rights or anything there. So the Pistons would have to pay Lonnie this summer to keep him. Start Schroeder, Boyan, Braun, AD, and Bryant. Yeah, I'm not... I don't know if Boyan can play the two or at least defend the two like that. I think more likely you would have someone else playing the two and he would be your three with either AD at the center 
or you'd be bringing Boyan off the bench and just kind of cycling those guys through. But size, defense, and shooting, I'm concerned about Boyan chasing twos around. He's more of a guy who deals with threes and fours. But again, it's a, it's a solid grouping of players there. Samaj Brown, did you see Fox on Twitter complaining about the refs deciding the game and then deleting the tweet? Because Lakers fans started packing him up. I did see that. I addressed it already in the show, so I'm not going to go back and do it, but I did see it, and Lakers fans were quick to fire back. And I saw a Kings reporter did the same thing. Lakers fans were very quick to jump on that and correct them. The Kings reporter was talking about like um, how LeBron gets all these calls or something, and Lakers fans jumped in and set him straight very quickly on that, which uh, is is appropriate given the case because for some reason there's some fans if you don't watch the lakers a lot you just assume oh lebron gets a ton of calls and he does not he does not at all all right everybody that's going to wrap things up for today i want to thank everybody for joining me make sure you are subscribing to the lakers nation youtube channel as well as our podcast feed over on apple podcast spotify wherever it is that you listen to podcasts we'll be on playback tonight for the lakers against denver nuggets We'll see if the Lakers can keep the win streak going. It's going to be a tough one, but perhaps they can push this win streak to six. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.